Hello, welcome to Season 6 of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. My name is Laura Evans, and I am a writer, deep listener, and disillusioned environmental lawyer living in western New York. Season 6 of the Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges for human beings as we all live together on this beautiful, harsh, and interconnected planet Earth. This season, we are going to pay special attention to the healing properties of plants, the legalization of cannabis in New York State, tarot, and what is going on with the police in Erie County. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Live podcast. Um, I'm on a little bit of a roll. Yesterday, I recorded the intro for the episode I published today, the uh, ballot review with John Washington. That's episode 83. And now I'm recording the introduction for episode 84 with Samantha Nephew, which I'm hoping to either put online later tonight or tomorrow morning. So yeah, it's uh, election season. As we talked about in the last episode, things are really busy here in the city of Buffalo and Erie County. And I've been behind on publishing conversations. So this is an episode with Samantha Nephew, and I had this conversation with Sam at the end of September, so now fast forward to the end of October. It's been, yeah, about a month, and here we are. So Sam is now a healthcare advocate with the Healthcare Education Project, which is a program that is also a part um, or a partnership with 1199 SEIU United Healthcare Workers East. And before I say anything more about Sam currently, I just want to point out that we actually uh, talked and recorded a conversation for the podcast uh, about four years ago for season one. And I, right now those episodes are offline and they will be reposted in the future, but it's been fun to recircle back with like past guests and see what they're up to now. So yeah, uh, we do talk about kind of like, yeah, what's changed over the past four years. And Sam talks about this new role as a healthcare advocate. So yeah, she's focusing on programming and campaigns related to public health, health and wellness, and the social determinants of health. So yeah, in this episode, you know, it's so interesting. Yeah, it was spring 2017 was the last time we spoke. And, you know, we've crossed paths a few times, I coffee a few times, but uh, yeah, it's only been in recent months that we talked about doing another podcast episode together. And so, yeah, we made it happen and now I'm sharing it. Um, All right. So yeah, in this episode, Sam and I, we talk about how it is important to vote for Kimberly Beattie to be the next Erie County Sheriff. We talk about the history of that, why that's important. We also talk about... um, the back and forth about decisions to have kids during all of these extreme climate change events. We talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, the importance of getting vaccinated, the public health implications of that. And then we also, yeah, just have other things to say too. So with all of that, please enjoy my conversation with Samantha Nephew. Hi, Samantha. It's good to see you again. It's uh, good to see you. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's been a couple years. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked it up and it was spring 2017 was when we talked the last time. And so it's like a lifetime ago. 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that way. <laughs> so yeah, it's been almost four years and I just wanted to start by saying, yeah, like what's happened in your world? Um, what's changed and has anything stayed the same? Um, I have lived multiple multiple lifetimes uh, since the last time we've talked. Yeah. Um, got deeper into politics, came out of politics. Um, now I'm in the labor movement. Um what has stayed the same, my husband and yeah. my cat. <laughs> she maybe gained another 10 pounds uh-huh. in the last six, five years or however long it's been. But uh, oh. <laughs> And I'm still in grad school. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm still in the same program. Hopefully I'll graduate next year. Nice. What are you studying? It's still the Master in Public Administration. <laughs> okay, yeah. What, like, I guess I am curious about talking about that. Like, what, uh, what have you learned? Like, what what has grabbed your attention? And like, um, yeah. I mean, the diff- obviously the different ways in which you can run government. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably one of the most interesting classes was emergency management. Oh, cool. And the yeah. reason why it was so interesting at the time was because that was exactly when COVID was hitting. Yeah. So kind of seeing how the government was reacting to public management um, Mm -hmm. at a time when nobody knew what was going on. They just knew that these are the things that we do when public catastrophes happen and kind of seeing it in real time or seeing how it didn't work. Yeah. So that was definitely um, an interesting time to be taking that course. Yeah. Have you noticed, like, have even your courses changed at all, like, since COVID? I think I do want to talk to you about the pandemic as well, but that... Yeah, it's interesting to be, like, in school in the middle of that. Well, it was rough. Um, Yeah. I mean, at the time, I was working for um, Nate McMurray when he was running for Congress last year. Uh Uh-huh. And so between that, just the all of the stress. I'm an extrovert. I love being out and talking to people and doing events. All of that has been probably my favorite part of, you know, being an adult and all of that. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get to the pandemic, and it's just, again, me, my husband, and my 15-pound cat Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our tiny apartment in Buffalo. And having to do all of that and deal with just the stress and the unknown. And then also being in school, I was taking two classes at the time. And I think it was one of those things where even the the lecturers and the professors were like, okay, we know we're not getting the best work out of our students right now, but we have to try and get this out of them because this is still a graduate, you know, master's program. Right, right. And I wanted to give them my best work, but at the same time, you know, my head's on my desk going... I can't believe I've been home for four weeks and I don't know what's going on and things with the campaign were shaky and just, it was so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what is, uh, this new role, uh, or I don't, how new is it? You, you're now in the labor movement. So what is that? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So I am a healthcare advocate. It is with the healthcare education project, which is the formal title. Um, but it is a labor management collaboration Mm -hmm. between 1199 SEIU United Healthcare Workers East. Okay. And so we, um, are a union for healthcare workers, like nursing homes, pretty much everyone but RNs that work in those places. Um, and it is a collaboration with the Greater New York Hospitals Association. Okay. And so Kaleida Health, um, ECMC, Niagara Falls Medical, those kind of places here in Western New York. And so I do a lot of healthcare initiative work, um, outside of like what the unions themselves do with the contracts and you know all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. um so my focus is on the areas of like public health health and wellness okay um and the social determinants of health which 
sure yeah, you yeah, get to. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking, you know, just like at social media and stuff before we talked, and I saw that you were recently at like a an action for um lake mercy hospital Mm -hmm. uh can you talk about that at all that's actually where i was born and i know that they're like do it having a lot of uh, struggles so i mean for me that was just a um act of solidarity with the union Mm -hmm. um you know that's something that a lot of the unions we come together especially when it's a big it's a big big deal Um, and was that where was it rn's were you supporting mm-hmm. there? Because you said yours is not our right. but then this one was. Okay. Right. C- CWA, the communication workers, um, they also oversee the nurses. Oh, okay. And my best friend is a nurse. My best friend who has two kids who I consider my own kids. Yeah, um, yeah. I love them very dearly. Um, and for me, it was a very personal issue. So I went with them to show is a show of solidarity because um, I obviously support all healthcare workers given the last year and some change and what they've been through, what they've had to do. But now they're talking about my family yeah. and my best friend and her kids. So it was very personal. Yeah, what 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 is what was it about or what is it about? Um, they are dealing with a contract negotiation. Um, I believe last week or maybe it was a week and a half ago they voted um, to authorize a strike if a deal wasn't met because their short staffing has always been an issue yeah. um, with the nurses. But then after given the pandemic and all the restrictions and all of this, you know, there's just there's just not enough. Right. There's not enough hands on deck, which is like I said has always been the case, but it got worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my best friend has told me horror stories of the things that she has to deal with when she's yeah. when she's on on her shifts. So I don't know what that is as of right now as of this recording. Yeah. But as far as I knew, um, they were still trying to reach a deal. And if they don't buy October first, which is the end of this week, mm-hmm. they go on strike, which is not a good thing for South Buffalo, right, in the surrounding areas, right, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for explaining that to me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, what does your day to day work look like at uh, eleven ninety nine SEIU? So, <laughs> you're yeah, you're a healthcare advocate, and you're working in this uh, program and collaborating. Mm-hmm. Like, how how does that show up day to day? It shows up in many different ways. It really depends on what I'm working on. Um, so I have a lot of freedom to work within a lot of different groups yeah. to kind of bring forth the name and you know, the membership um, towards a lot of community-facing things. So, like, I'm on the African-American Health Equity Task Force. Mm. Um, Live Well Erie has, um, you know, a a health equity focus. Um, The Buffalo Center for Health Equity, I work with them a lot. Reach Buffalo. Um, Basically, just a lot of different groups that either work in collaboration with other groups Mm -hmm. um, or... I just work in collaboration with them to bring my resources and my people um, towards a lot of different health initiatives within the community. Like Reach Buffalo does a lot of tobacco, okay, um, anti-tobacco work, um, anti-menthol, anti-all these things that are basically um, targeted towards the east side of Buffalo. Okay. Um, so I do a lot of work with them to, you know, try to make people understand that tobacco is not the greatest for them and that they're being targeted. Mm. Um, more so, that you you don't see the same tobacco commercials, I'm sure, at the or tobacco ads within your communities in Hamburg as you would going down Genesee and Moselle or something mm-hmm. like that on the east side. Right. Or the African-American Health Equity Task Force, which does a lot of work, obviously, in different initiatives, but it's focused on 
you know, African-American health and wellness on the east side, all kinds of different things, everywhere down to um, the American Rescue Plan and where do we want to see these funds and how do they, um, how are they geared towards health equity okay. amongst the African-American community. So anything like that, um, all that to say, I don't have a day-to-day. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. It's just it, yeah, it's different meetings and different groups. And different initiatives. Happening. I did the Fair Fines and Fees Coalition. I worked with them, oh, okay. and I was with them when they won getting the cameras taken down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yo, can you explain the camera situation in the city of Buffalo? I don't think I've talked about it on here. Yeah. Uh, so it was this year that it was implemented. The mayor decided that he wanted to put in these speed zone cameras. Right. Um, which was in, in. I remember getting a photograph like in the mail. Like yep. you were speeding. Next mm-hmm. time this is a ticket. Yep. Yeah. The, that was the original idea was that it was supposed to make people stop speeding. Yeah. Um, but what the Fair Fines and Fees Coalition found, and this was before I came on, so I'm telling you the story from what I was told, yeah. is that they found that the, these were, these are deemed predatory fines because mm. they were $50 pop yep. and they were kind of done all of a suddenly. Yeah. And so you might be going 35 down the street. Granted, it's 30, but come on. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden it's 15 and then you go, there you go, there's a camera mm-hmm. and boom, just like that, it's, yeah. it's 50 bucks, which if you're not making a whole lot of money in Buffalo, which a lot of people are not, mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, that's 50 bucks. And the way I looked at it was I used to be a substitute teacher. I made $110 a day. Yeah. After taxes, if I accidentally hit that twice a day, you just took my entire entire day's pay yeah so and there's no like it's just automatic like yeah so they so they were able to this uh yeah group of um people who organized for yeah fair fines and fees yep and so yep the cameras came down um september 1st i believe it was okay and yeah so we won we won that battle um thanks to the yeah you're welcome (laughs) thanks to the common council and you know there's still work to be done Mm -hmm. yeah no that's great um so yeah, this you've mentioned multiple times like health on the east side of Buffalo, and I this is a good time to transition to like the social determinants of health and like what that means. And I think a lot of people that are listening do like live in Buffalo and are familiar with what the east side like what that like means, even like where where mm-hmm. that place is. But if you could just talk about um, the social determinants of health and probably in the context of yeah your job and the sure. east side. So. It. So the social determinants of health, um, basically the way I was trained around it, because it was a new concept to me when I came on in February. I started in February. And it's basically the idea of the things in our lives that um, determine where we work, live, and play. And so the, the social determinants of health are, yes, Medicaid is health. Yes, Medicare is health. All of that kind of stuff. And we do do those things, especially around, you know, um, federal legislation time we lobby our you know congress people and all that around that because it's important however when we think about somebody who has diabetes or somebody who has any any other of these health issues yes you know something broke down in their bodies there's a you know very scientific health reason for that but what else is you know contributing to that Mm -hmm. meaning what is the social determinant well if I'm trying to think what is a good example of a good social determinant. I mean, just just go back to the fair fines and fees, right? Yeah. Um, Health insurance is hard enough as it is, Mm -hmm. right? Co-pays are a hassle and a pain pain in the butt. 
if you're paying $50 a pop for a parking, you know, or not a parking ticket, um, a, a traffic fee. Yeah. Uh, are you really going to think about spending that money on a copay to go get yourself checked out? Right. Mm, probably not. Because now you owe the city, you know, $200 from the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. Because you still, fit going 35 to 15 mm-hmm. is just not feasible. Mm-hmm. And so that, in a nutshell, is what the social determinants of health can be. Um, trying to think of an another thing. For me, it's it's the elections. And I know we're going to get into that, but the reason why I think of it that way is when we think about elections, these are the people who are making the rules mm-hmm. of what we can and cannot do in our lives. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that's impacting our freedom of movement, our freedom of... Um, just whatever have you access to healthy foods um any of these issues that causes real health issues for an individual that's Mm -hmm. a social determinant of health right and so that's a that that kind of is what focuses um me and my work Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of different things that i could get into um obviously i have to be very you know focused on what i do yeah um but it's pretty wide open into the things that i could work on right okay yeah no that makes sense i know like I'm just thinking of, yeah, when you mentioned food, like just food deserts and people not having access to food and how then that causes like stress to like, yep. you know, that you're hungry and then also that it costs more to like go out and get the food. And yeah, it's just this like, it just feels like it's a big feedback loop of all these things just like mm-hmm. falling onto uh, people who are yeah in poverty already. Yeah, food is a big thing. Uh, there are 10, 10 of us, 10 advocates in 10 regions across the state. Um, obviously, the upstate ones, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, and then the rest are in New York City. Okay. Um, but pretty much every single one of us have food security as part of our work, um, yeah. our work plans, because it's a problem pretty much everywhere. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, okay. So the next question I have for you is, yeah, I, like I said, I was like looking at your social media and just, oh, I guess that was, yeah, I am also very excited about the Buffalo Bills and yeah, defeating the Washington football team. So that was good. Um, and then I got to like some of like just your tweets about climate change and like impacting like your decisions to have children. And I would just say like me too, like big time. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm pretty much made that decision, I think. Um, and so, and it, a lot of it has to do with climate change and just deep uncertainty about the future. So yeah, I just wanted to talk to you more about that. Like, and I, I should have, yeah. I remember we talked about climate and ecology a lot, like last time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just what what do you think about all of this right now? <laughs> I mean, it's more or less the same as it was five years ago, in the sense that you know climate change is still it's gotten scarier. Yeah, um, but it's obviously morphed for me because I am a couple years older. I'm a little bit more secure in my in my life, and you know, with, with my husband and all of that, and you know. We do the usual thing that married couples do after a certain amount of years is, do we want kids? Yeah. And, you know, my first answer is yes. Right. Emphatic, hell yes. And Mm -hmm. then I get into thinking about it and I'm like, and then you watch the news and it's like, oh, everyone's flooding. Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Um, No, you Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, 
parts of the country is disappearing into the water. And, you know, you think about climate migration and Mm -hmm. people are going to come to areas like Buffalo because it's deemed a little bit safer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to cause a problem because we don't have the infrastructure for much less the people we have now, let alone. That's what I keep really, really coming back to. Um, like... heat waves mm-hmm. the the heat that we had this summer granted it's not as bad as the rest of the country but i had problems with it yeah and we don't have air conditioning like set up in the ways that other places do no i i i spent a lot of time kind of on my back staring at the wall on my couch because i'm like it's so hot mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so things like that and just you see the way that you know storms and everything are getting worse and then again it comes down to infrastructure thinking about like can our buildings and our you know waterways and everything hold on mm-hmm. with the way things are getting worse and so yeah. i kind of go into a little doom spiral of my own and wonder do I really want to put kids in the way of this? Right, they, yeah. You know, they already don't ask for any of this. Yeah. And then to put them in the way of things that we know are only going to get worse the next 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah, it's a lot. It's so much. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you about it because I just want to be like, yep, I have all of those feelings and thoughts and thinking about them all the time. Um I do go back and forth and I just like, well, whatever happens, happens. But because um, I do have a lot of like people I care about who who have young children who mm-hmm. I deeply care about. So um, I already feel like I'm signed up for like right. for that generation and the ones like to come. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's just it's really daunting. And I think that like when I do remember you and I talking about like Standing Rock and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just climate change and it is it does has gotten worse and we both knew it was going to (laughs) and it's the eternal back and forth when it comes to kids do you want to have them and put them in that way or do you want to have them and then maybe they can help change it exactly yeah and i do like my conversations with younger people yeah leave me both devastated and hopeful because i think (laughs) that they understand way more than i would have ever expected right (laughs) (laughs) so that has been that has been both hopeful, yeah, and difficult. Cause I'm like, oh wow, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff when I was younger. Kids, and- kids these days. On one hand, they're doing the Tide Pod challenge. On the other hand, they're challenging social norms around race and and just our social norms yeah. and climate. So on one hand, I don't know. On the other hand, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like. I'm happy that yeah I'm happy that they're there <laughs> like it, it is good and then and I just look back on yeah growing up in like the 80s and the 90s and being like wow like that was really intense um I've also been like yeah rewatching old sitcoms and things like that and I think the messages that we were exposed to were like way more brutal like under this like veneer of like haha it's funny but it was just like bad <laughs> so yeah um well, I mean my just recently obviously we were talking about 9-11 I was like oh yeah I was um in seventh grade when that happened uh-huh. and so to grow up in that you know like hey there's terrorists everywhere and everything's coming down around us mm-hmm. that was my introduction into being a young adult and it's like oh Jesus yeah yeah I was yeah I was right in that age range too and yeah we like watched it like in school live i'm like what happened to me yeah at six years old, have i ever processed this at six years old i used to be able to go right up to the gate with my dad to watch him go off to a work trip and now i go on work trips and i have to take off my shoes and Mm -hmm. and get 
x-rayed or whatever and just (laughs) searched up and down (laughs) yeah just totally put in like yeah the the conveyor belt of like security i don't know it's it's nuts um (laughs) but yeah i i don't know i i do love this place and the just the natural world of it like i just yeah the water the air the plants like everything that is here like i do hope that we can all take care of it because it is like it is still really deeply here and i um I do see the potential of people coming. Like, people are going to have to move. Like, it's just sort of, like, a question of when and then to where. And, yeah, I don't know if this place is ready for that because they clearly can't can't already handle who we have here now. So, And it's not like it's a new concept. Climate refugees are all over the world. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's not going to be a new thing once it happens in in the states so mm-hmm. yeah i yeah no i just to continue on the doom train um i did <laughs> there's like an article in new york times today about uh like hurricane ida and just how it like has now they've counted like 55 oil spills that it like caused like and just like old stuff that had been abandoned and i was like oh my gosh like it just never ends no. um so yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you? Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about climate. It, it really does just kind of get me. And let's just all and yeah. Um, but I appreciate um, at least yeah, just talking about it and acknowledging it sometimes because it is weird to like. It's weird, but it like intertwines into pretty much everything. Like we just said, climate refugees, the, right. the immigration problem, like problem. I'm using air quotes. Problem. Yeah, yeah. It's the the immigration circumstance yeah. of, of today. Right. right. Like, how do we actually meet it? Like, right. People seeking... with compassion and like right and it's... intelligence. Like, it's just like people are, need to move. They need places. To Day, mm-hmm. what needs to happen well, when your entire uh, uh home is underwater like what do you do right you don't stay there and live on a boat right it's not an option right yeah water world is not not real but it, it intertwines yeah. in everything and like we were saying with here in buffalo um you know our infrastructure is not built for it i don't know what's going to happen yeah. with that there are certain elections going on that might have to figure that out in mm-hmm. times to come um but we'll see yeah well, speaking of certain elections, um, and yeah, we can talk about this in any way you want, but I, I do want to talk about local politics um, in this moment and really like, uh, yeah, just talking about, because we're in Buffalo, New York, and it is almost October and we have big local elections, um, but also like for the rest of the state of the country. So, mm-hmm. yeah, where do you want to start with that? I mean, I guess we could start with Kim Beatty, who okay. is running for Erie County Sheriff. Yeah. Um, she is the Democratic nominee. I believe she was officially endorsed not too long ago, like within the last two weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like through work, but also through my personal self, am very interested in seeing this go through. One, because criminal justice is important. Um, obviously, we've seen what happened in the last year and some change now after what happened with George Floyd. Um, We've seen what has happened um, with just racial justice issues. I mean, obviously it's been before the last year and a half, but it's come to the forefront in a way that I think really 
really matters Mm -hmm. and to address those kinds of issues in the Erie County Sheriff's Office. I think we have a much better way of doing that and addressing people with a certain humanity and, and dignity. Um, you know, if you commit a crime, you should absolutely, you know, have to serve your time or what have you in that instance, but it's not, you know, a lifelong sentence, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we have a criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, to me, in my, in my opinion, a sheriff's office is meant to, you uphold the law and that someone, you know, breaks it, you bring them in and then there's a system to figure out what to do yeah. with the consequences of those actions. You do not, you know, perform those actions yourself. You are not the judge, jury, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have seen, you know, really heinous instances of people being mistreated, human rights violations within the prisons, uh, the jail system under the current sheriff. And I just think that by electing somebody like Kim Beatty, we have a much better opportunity to address those issues, mm-hmm. um, especially within the realm of mental health, which has become a big important issue to me um, because it's something that I've addressed personally mm-hmm. um, in the last year um, myself. But you know, mental health issues within after the pandemic or right. during rather, because yeah. uh, we're still in right. it. Yeah, I know. Like still, yeah, we're still in it. So during the pandemic, you know, it's been heightened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the case of Daniel Prude in Rochester, who had serious mental health issues going on, mm-hmm. and he ultimately died of asphyxiation because the police put him in a in a plastic bag, basically. Yeah. Or whatever kind of bag it was. Um, and he died. And it's just the way that we have these systems approaching mental health issues. And the Erie County Sheriff's Office is, you know, not immune to that. They have not handled uh, these issues well. India's law from 2016 or 17, I believe it was, is a good issue. Mm-hmm. India Cummings, who died in sheriff's custody, um, who was denied mental health assistance the way she needed it. Yeah. Um, she was a young black woman, and she died. Yeah. Um, in the holding center. In the right? holding center. Yeah. yeah, she died in the holding center, which... Um, like she wasn't even convicted. That's right. just like arrested and awaiting your right. And I've you know I've been in multiple leadership groups and I've visited the Erie County Holding Center and it's already not the greatest place in the world to be. And then mm-hmm. to be there, I could only imagine needing mental health help. Mm-hmm. But to be in that situation, like I can only imagine what that young woman would have had to have gone through. So all of that to say, I think that undergoing a new sheriff with somebody like. Kim is incredibly important to address those issues in a way that serves, you know, dignity and the integrity integrity of humanity. That's yeah. the only way I can think to say it. So that's why I've been doing what I can do to support Kim whenever I can. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate you talking about that. And yeah, I remember, um, I don't know, a few seasons ago, like definitely talking a lot about the share, like four years ago, like this was a mm-hmm. big topic and now it's like coming around again. And yeah, it just, it felt like the stakes were high then and now it's like even higher. And yeah, we just live in a really huge county that has like Buffalo in it and then these surrounding suburbs and these really rural areas and so I mean let's never forget that the current sheriff you know showed up to a rally that had confederate flags Mm -hmm. and he was in his 
sheriff's uniform. Yeah. And while people like you and I may have found that abhorrent, there are people in this county who said, that makes sense. Exactly. That's just right. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, except the problems that are happening at the sheriff's office probably aren't affecting you. Mm-hmm. They're not affecting the people that you know and love. Mm-hmm. But they are mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about someone who got cuffs put on them and put it, you know, put behind them. I mean, that's if that's the system of the law. I guess I'm rolling my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it's just that matter of we need to treat people with humanity and and respect right and it's not happening it's not at all right now yeah and confederate flags are not respecting people at all either no no just put that out there yep thank you yeah so that's the yeah that's the sheriff's race um another thing i haven't talked about on this podcast yet is that new york state has a new governor um yeah like what how what was your thoughts on that i mean yeah so. Uh, so the the day i think it was like 11 o'clock in the afternoon i got a um an alert on my apple watch here that said governor cuomo uh resigns yeah and my first reaction was like a huge <gasps> what <laughs> he actually did it yeah i didn't think he was gonna yeah I, I didn't think he was going to either not to go too deeply into yeah, that yeah, conversation yeah. Right, but right. it was one of those i didn't I didn't, oh, wow, he did it. Yeah, yeah. And so my first reaction, oh, there we go. Yeah. We're, we're going to have we're gonna have the first woman governor. Here yeah, she comes. Here she, yeah, fast, uh, <laughs> coming in high. Yeah. Right. At that point, I think it was, we had two and a half weeks until yeah, she came in. Yeah, um, it, It's exciting. Um, I mean, I'll be the first to admit in 26, 2016, I was not excited about Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I didn't want Trump. It's not right. like I voted for him. Exactly. But I wasn't necessarily excited about Hillary Clinton. But when I cast my vote for her, I did kind of, you know, put my vote in. And I walked away and said, wow, first woman president. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my... I wasn't like... I had a few hours of that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, but when I found out that Kathy was going to be governor... it. I figure it's going to be pretty good. Um, I'm sure she comes with her own baggage and all of that. People typically, you know, do, and that's fine, whatever. Um, But I think pretty much immediately it was like, wow, first woman governor. That's going to be really cool. Right. And the fact that she's from Western New York. Yeah. Um, So everybody else, you know, not from here can can just kind of rely on that part and be like, that's really cool. She has what she needs or she's going to do this or she's going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that for us here in Western New York, that's really cool because she comes with a certain eye for this area and what we need. And so when our legislators, you know, our assembly people and our Senate uh, senators go to her, you know, she's going to be like, Oh, yeah, I remember that place along the 5 or the 20. Exactly. Or in no, Tonawanda. Right, which <laughs> no one else would know from, yeah, even right. most places in upstate New York. Right, alone. I was yeah. just listening to a podcast, actually, um, John Rivera, uh, the 149th Assembly person. Uh-huh. Uh, he was talking about uh, his experience with some of the downstate people that he works with in the, in the Assembly, and he said, yeah, they sometimes I feel like they think we live, like, in farmland. Yeah. And that I, I was like, wow, I've experienced that in my organizing work, working mm-hmm. with statewide organizations. Right. People from the city think we live in barns. Right. But then there are some people in Erie County that do live in barns, so it gets super confusing, <laughs> like, because yeah it's like there is the city it's just this place to me it's like 
if you haven't like been here or spent time here, I mm-hmm. mean, maybe that's like every other place too, but it just seems like there's a blindness to this place that people can't even imagine it. Um, I don't know. Personally, uh, I yeah. be, just because I grew up in the city itself, I'm like, right. we don't live in barns. Right. My neighbors right. do have a rooster, but we don't live in barns. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, well, yeah. It, it's just that divi- that upstate downstate divide. But all yeah. of that to say is that. Kathy understands that there might be a rooster next door, but we don't all live in barns. Exactly. And yeah. so I appreciate that from our top executive in the state. Yeah, no, it is true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I think for me, like, I just want to say, like, I just can't believe how fast it happened. Like, I mean, I know that he was like called out for sexual harassment like months ago and then it just, but once that like report came out, it was like pretty quick. And then like and then I am now I'm understanding like oh that's why we have a lieutenant governor like she has been like watching for a while Mm -hmm. and then like you know so she can kind of keep going with what has sort Mm -hmm. of already been going and then turn it to her own but I yeah I don't know sometimes it just feels like it's the same thing happening every day and Mm -hmm. then that just pops out of nowhere and And, like oh and kudos to her for making um uh, change in sh- uh, culture and Albany yeah. being one of her top things mm-hmm. that's one admitting that there is something that needs to be changed yeah. which to his like final words he was like well I did nothing exactly I did nothing I just I'm getting out of the way so business can happen it's yeah. like uh, so you're still not apologizing even with your final words on the way out yep yep okay <laughs> well anyway Governor Hochul thank you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I love it um, okay yeah so uh, let's see. I I guess just any sort of like um, kind of moving towards the end, but yeah, like what local, statewide, national, or international like issue event is really like capturing your attention in this moment, and why? I mean, like I said, the the criminal justice stuff. Um, it, it's just it's full circle on so many things Mm -hmm. on so many human rights violations issues. Um, I think that is just super important. Um, again, it's like, there are a lot of health things going on. Sure. And that's my job, but you know, when my ears perk up, um, and when I think about things, even the public health issue of, um, and this kind of ties into criminal justice and how we go about it is the gun violence issue in Buffalo and the country really. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's obviously all, the the way it's increased has all come out of the pandemic yeah um how we continue to come out of the pandemic is something that i continuously look at um going back to the gun violence thing real quickly yeah it's not something that's affected me personally Mm -hmm. um thankfully um i do not know somebody personally who's gone down because of it or even been shot because of whatever reason but then uh people like april baskin Mm -hmm. Um, She was very vocal about it, that her cousin was gunned down at the, I believe it's a gas station. Like, Mm -hmm. you can see the gas station from her district office. Yeah. And her cousin um, was shot and passed away from that. Um, So nobody's really immune from it. Right. But it's just obviously the serious issue that is taking a toll on communities. You want to go back to the mental health thing that I was talking about? I can't imagine what the family of that three-year-old is going mm. through the three-year-old who was shot after shooting on the east side in July, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, and it's just all these things that are intersecting, as they normally do, mm-hmm. but everything has been exacerbated, um, you know, after the last couple 
what is it, what, 18 months of the pandemic or what, mm-hmm. what have you? Yeah. We're probably encroaching closer on two years soon. Yeah. No, it feels like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no there's no end in sight. And I, I guess I would say my answer to this question is the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. coming out of it. You know, we have very clear paths on how we can get out of this, which is, you know, more vaccinations, wearing your mask more, things of that nature. Um, that's a part of my work we didn't talk about was actually in the very beginning because I came on in February was talking about vaccinations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got vaccinated as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to lie, it was last November, last December. I was also hesitant about it because it's like, mm-hmm. no, not me. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but then they you go first. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. You guys do it. Yeah. Um and then in January, I believe it was a nurse out of New York City got her vaccine like on live TV. Yeah. And that was my first going, well, okay. Yeah. Let me think about this. And then after a couple of weeks and the first wave of people who were eligible got mm-hmm. it. And I was like, okay, I can see this. And mm-hmm. then they started offering it to more marginalized communities. And then I got a call. They were doing it at the Native American Community Services. And I said to myself, okay. If they can do it, if the doctors at Gibon and Mm -hmm. Dr. Raul Vasquez, he is a Latino person. And I said, okay, if he's offering these Mm -hmm. and Nax is telling me, please come get this if you're eligible. I said, I'll get it. Right. So I've been fully vaccinated since the end of March. I'm a big proponent of it. Mm -hmm. I believe it's safe. I personally didn't have any effects other than a little bit of soreness in my arm. I couldn't Mm -hmm. lift it above like my neck area. Yeah. But it wasn't that bad. I know some people got sick, but that just meant it was working. Yeah. I was hesitant. I think, yeah, I'll shout out to my sister for (laughs) like eventually getting me to, to really, uh, to do it. Um, but yeah, it took, it took some like reading and thinking and all of that but I like well yeah I don't know like how personally but I I got the Johnson and Johnson one and I had a like I felt like I had an immune response like and I was tired and like you know just for that day and it has made me feel better about like Mm -hmm. being places and I still mask up like pretty much whenever I'm indoors um and yeah, keeping my social distancing. But yeah, I, I've definitely gone through a lot of like thinking about it and everything. But I just thinking about myself, like around this time last year, I decided to, yeah, go visit family. And like that was a really scary plane ride, uh, you know, imagine. at that time. And I did recently, you know, travel a few weeks ago and it was just, I, I can just tell it's like, it feels better. And yeah, just like the people that have also done it and just the things that I've read, it's like, yeah, this is something that like I have to do for public mm-hmm. health. Right. Um, and, and I mean, just for myself and my husband, like the way I look at it is, yes, there are breakthrough cases. Yes. You know, some people can still get sick, but right. the the chance of you getting sick to the point of being in the hospital exactly. and dying comes that, dramatically down. Yeah, that's what got me, really. I was like, oh, that'll, that's like pretty much like they really know that that's what that does? Okay, <laughs> yeah, good. Right, I think we all learned a little bit more about what vaccines actually do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Last year or the year before that, I was the person that said, I'm not getting the flu shot because mm-hmm. if I'm just going to get sick anyway, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Okay. Two years later, now I see the point. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to be in the hospital for this. Not if there's something that can help prevent that from happening. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I kind of went a roundabout way of answering your question, but all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. How do we move through? It just, it doesn't feel like the pandemic is going away. Um, but no, I mean, but it's like, it's almost getting integrated in this weird way of life. People keep talking about how do we go back? And I'm like, I'm with everyone else that says we don't go back. We learn the new normal. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. And I, I would hope that nobody stops washing their hands for 20 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Don't Uh, stop doing that. It was gross before watching someone leave a bathroom without washing their hands. Yeah. It's even more like, ah, when I see somebody do it now. Yeah. And don't follow that person and don't touch whatever they touch. Mm -hmm. you know, it just, it makes you think differently about that. I carry hand sanitizer in every single one of my bags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my keychain. It's in my car. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I've got masks on masks like everywhere. And that's another yeah. thing. I hope that never goes away. I yeah. hope it's part of our new normal is yeah. if you're not feeling well, put a mask on. Yeah. And also like stay home from work. I remember yes. before the pandemic, it was like, I'm sick, but I'm still here and I'm, you know, working through it. And I was always grossed out by that. And now it's like unacceptable. And I'm super happy about that. I'll I mean, admit- I know sometimes people still have to, but yeah, it's changed. It's changed a lot. There used to be like a badge of honor for like going in sick. I did a one-on-one once where we were having a meal together and I kept going like coughing this way but and thinking into myself now I'm going that's disgusting yeah yeah for everybody listening I was coughing into my arm but still but still even now I'm like please be nowhere near my food when you're doing that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) especially because when you're not coughing you're talking to me and these air particles are going back and forth Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I think about it much differently now and uh, I apologize to that person yeah if they listen they know who this is (laughs) but um sorry 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 I talked to you while I was coughing my bad I'll never do it again yeah we've all learned a lot yeah oh my gosh um all right well we're at the end and so I want to give you the last word and just any parting thoughts or recommendations for people listening yeah stuff to check out think about sure i mean they can follow me um i do a lot of my hep work obviously there is the the facebook healthcare education project dash western new york um i don't just do buffalo there is stuff in you know niagara county that i'm hoping to get toward get to um coming up but i would also just say based on what we were talking about to just get your vaccine Mm -hmm. and talk to your family members about it like you said your sister talked to you and you got it Mm -hmm. i talked to my sister she said they were offering it at her job and she said i heard your voice in my head and i said shh (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) sam will never talk to me unless i get it so i'll get it yeah and it was like it was one of those things where all right well you said you got it for me but you really got it for yourself so thanks yeah yeah Um, I mean, and that's been a lot of what I've been, you know, doing in my work life. But I also just believe personally is for the sake of public health and for the sake of getting out of all of these things. Like mm-hmm. the faster we can get to our new normal, I guess I can say, um, where there's less risk and we can open back up and, you know, people can get back to work. Uh, that's another thing we haven't talked about. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the economy at scale and all of that but um <laughs> yeah. you know people can get back to work industries can open things of that nature um i think that that would really help with the mental health crisis that's going on mm-hmm. um and don't forget to get out there and vote 
last day to apply for uh, absentee ballot, I believe, is October 18th from okay. the Erie County Board of Elections. Um, so do that if you don't feel like going to the polls. If anything, early voting starts October 23rd. That's a Saturday. And the hours and dates can be found at the Erie County Board of Elections website as well. All right. Thanks, Sam. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.